0: Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are nine and eleven each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net.
1: Greeting today from Mark. Chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means son of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. The word of the Lord.
0: Great job! I thought you were a linguist or something with all those names. Isn't that incredible? Didn't you do a great job? Yeah. Wow! No, you did great. Hey, listen. Uh, when uh, Pastor Tyler has us stand up and we talk about uh, our mission to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Uh, we know that we at Community Covenant are not on that mission alone, uh, that we have partners. Uh, we're a part of a denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. We are a part of the Alaska Conference of the Evangelical Covenant Church. And in our conference are churches and ministries uh, that are our partners in this mission. And so it's good to know uh, that we're not an island uh, we're not in this alone, that we're in it together with great people uh, that have a common heart and a common vision and a common mission. And uh, in our conference, uh, we have a wonderful leader. It's Curtis Ivanoff. And Curtis, if you'd come on up. Curtis is our conference superintendent. Yep. And... Uh, I always like to share personal things uh, about Curtis. Curtis, one of the things, or are many, but one of the things I admire and appreciate about you is that you listen. You listen. Curtis listens to people, and he wants to hear beyond words, but he wants to hear people's hearts. And because you listen, Curtis, uh, you listen to me, you listen to us, That's a very wonderful pastoral gift. But it also tells me that you listen to God. You are a man that wants to hear from God. And because of that, whenever you stand in this pulpit, and whenever you address us, I look forward to what you have to say because I know that you've been listening to God. And what you have to share with us um, is important. And so... I just want to thank you and say, Lord, bless you. We are grateful. I am grateful for your leadership in this conference.
1: Thank you, thank you very much, Todd. It's so good to be here this morning with you to worship, and uh yeah, I really appreciate that. It's encouraging. Isn't it good to have life spoken right to uh, to one another? So. Thank you, it's uh, A joy to be here. Um, I'm here. My son Nathan's here. Our, the rest of our my my wife and other son Josh. They're they're going to uh, the church that we worship at Mount View Hope. But my son Nathan surprised me this morning because Christy, my wife, said we're going to go to Mount View Hope. The roads, you know, it's um, but just we'll be at the home church and we began worshiping and in walks my son Nathan and. Uh, I almost start crying, you guys. <laughs> he surprised me, and so my son Nathan has a, has a saying, he says, uh, if we ask, hey, could you help me do this? Or, you know, he says, I got you dad. I got you dad. And um, so I'll use that once in a while, I think of that once in a while, I got you dad. And uh, you know, there's there is just something that's powerful to know that you are not alone. We're not an island. I got you, Dad. And so you know, we, I think we can say that to one another this morning. I got you. And uh, there's something good and powerful about that. We indeed are not an island. We are part of a community. We're a part of something that's bigger than ourselves, much bigger than ourselves, because of Jesus. And isn't that good news? Isn't that isn't that encouraging? So. So, uh, yeah, my son Nathan, he's a senior at Grace Christian, and uh, it's a joy to have him with me this morning. So, um, would you pray with me, and, and we'll look into God's Word. We thank you, uh, Heavenly Father, for this place, this time, and for the gift of your Word, your Scripture, the gift of the stories of how you have been at work in the world to redeem creation and humanity to yourself. And so this this big story... And how you love us so much that even in this big story, we're a part of it. So we give you thanks and pray that you, Holy Spirit, would, would work in our hearts now. That we might hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I was up in, uh, community, at Community Covenant Fairbanks uh, just the other day. And um, talking to the interim pastor, Stan Van Amberg. He used to teach in the community of Noatak, so. We share a a common life experience and that is we've lived out in rural Alaska. And so given that we just have gone from like Seattle, Washington like weather to Narnia overnight, you know, it's like we, we start thinking about these recreational opportunities cross-country skiing, when is Alieska going to open, they got the snow machines going, um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so Stan and I were talking about uh, going on snow machining, or sleds, I guess, is the, the term that's often used in lower 48 anyway. Uh, talking about going, using snow machines. And he goes, yeah, you know, we I took a, my first ride up in the White Mountains near Fairbanks. Um it's my first ride in quite a while. And I said, yeah, isn't it kind of, it's interesting how The idea of going for a snow machine ride on the road system, it's a totally different ball game, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you know, like, because it's like, it's like recreational, right? Go out and let's go riding, and I've I've never been on a snow machine ride here in this area, so I've never gone on a recreational ride, but back home, we started talking how, you know, I mean, usually, I, I can't, I can't even think, I can't even imagine like hopping on a snow machine and not bringing a gun or not knowing that I'm going to drive from No Attack to Kotzebue. You know, there's some purpose that I'm going on this rig. Uh, you know, it's not just to go cruise around, which is all good, you know, but I, I, I thought, man, Stan, that'll preach, you know, because our life in following Jesus, we're not just, it's not just some recreational life experience. In following Jesus, no. There is purpose. There's a mission. There's life. And it just might involve caribou hunting or driving to some place, right? But man, there is, there is a purpose, a life, a mission in following Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to look at Mark in the Gospel of Mark to, to take a look at that, uh, and to see what it is that Jesus uh, calls us to, so in in Mark chapter three, the scripture that was read. Thank you, Jonathan, for reading that. Um, we see Jesus on a mountainside calling calling the twelve disciples to Himself, and He doesn't just call them to Himself. He sa- He He appoints them. It says He appoints them. He appoints them that they might uh, be with Him. So there's a relationship. They, they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. So he's calling them in a relationship, and he's saying, "You're going to go. You're going to go, and you're going to be. You're going to share this this good news. You're going to preach about the kingdom of God. Because all the way up up to this part of the story, these first few chapters in Mark, we are seeing uh, Jesus coming and proclaiming the kingdom of God." It is heaven breaking through and touching earth. And we see people being healed. We see lepers. We see paralyzed people. We see people who are possessed by evil spirits being set free. There's all kinds of action. And so Jesus is saying, I'm appointing you. You're going to be preachers. You're going to tell this good news of the kingdom and, and to have authority to drive out demons. Amazing, huh? Huh? So they've given, he's giving them authority, and then he names the twelve. The naming of the twelve is somewhat of a, it's capturing how there, there were twelve tribes of Israel, God's people. This is like the new twelve. And they're twelve, they're twelve followers, but God's, Jesus has come to do something new. New wineskins. A new people, if you will. A new community. Us, the church. At this moment, it's these 12 followers. And so he, he names them. Now, I want to use this story as an on-ramp to what follows next in the story. So this part of the Scripture wasn't read, but we, we see this call, a relationship, a mission to go and preach, authority, there's power. But I, I was asking myself, so what were they going to preach? Because they didn't have the Roman road yet. You know the message of salvation. That Paul, um, Jesus hadn't died yet; he hasn't risen from the dead. Paul scaled. You know, there's no Roman road. So, what are they going to preach? Well, what follows next is an is an indicator, not just an indicator. It's almost like a story of of Jesus saying, "This is my mission. This is this is the mission of why I have come, and what you are going to participate in." In preaching, in serving, and so it's a story from Mark three twenty to thirty five. So it's a it's a chunk of scripture. Now this this story this this passage of scripture there's a there is a literary um, mechanism a literary structure that's used in this story. Uh, some scholars call it a Mark Markan sandwich. So there's there's a there's a there's a method to this story. It's called a a chiastic structure, and this is important because when we read stories in our in Western um, mindset, we think from beginning to end. And I don't, I man, I didn't. I majored in math, so just bear with me, okay? But there's a beginning and an end, and um, in this case, there's a structure to where um, you have. So, I'm going to walk, just walk through it. The structure is this. We're going to see a, we're going to see a crowd. Okay? There's a crowd. Then, there's a, then we're going to see Christ's family. Then we're going to see teachers of the law. Okay? And then what happens, we're going to hear a story, a parable, where, where Jesus is going to share a story about, about, really about his work. Then we're going to hear about scribe, we're going to encounter scribes again. We're going to encounter family and a crowd, so it's almost like it goes like this: it goes from a, comes to a middle point and then goes out, where you hear the, you encounter a, a similar the, these same people. But at the center of the story, that's the part where our eyes and ears will be should be fixed because that's like the big idea, the big point of this of the story. So, from crowd, family, of the law to a parable about Satan's end. And then we hear scribes, family, and crowd going out again. So we're going to see in the center what Jesus' mission is. It's almost like his mission statement in the Gospel of Mark. So let's walk through it. Mark 3, chapter, verse 20 through 35. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. So the place is packed. We see in the Gospel of Mark, we see the idea of a crowd—not the idea of a crowd, but crowds. That's a the theme all throughout the Gospel. The the crowds there was there was people were drawn to Jesus by because of his because of heaven touching earth. So there's a crowd they couldn't even eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said. He is out of his mind. Have you ever said that to one of your family members? <laughs> they're out of their mind. So his family shows up, and when they hear about this crowd gathered and all this, they wanted to take him away, because they're thinking he's out of his mind. So uh, they went to he's out of his mind. And then the the scribes, the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem, said, "He is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. he is driving out demons okay, so two of the two of the characters here, the crowd, his family, and the teachers of the law, one of them says you 're crazy, his family the other says you 're possessed by demons kind of okay this, this is really interesting here. Uh, so, So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Okay, we're getting to the middle here. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, He cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. This is the center. And Jesus said, I have come to tie up the strong man. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven all their sins and all the blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Now why did Jesus tell us, to say that? Well, Mark says why? He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. The scribes of the law, the teachers of the law, religious leaders, they said he has an evil spirit and so Jesus says they're they're blaspheming against the holy spirit they're they're saying that that my power as as a as the son of god is it's it's evil and so they he says they're blaspheming then Jesus mother and brothers so here we are. now we're moving back out of the story we're encountering his family again having encountered the scribes the teachers of the law now we see his family again then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. And why? Because they said he was lost his mind to call him. The crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those, and now he's, he's going to say something that's really powerful. That's for you and me. He says, those seated in a circle around him and said, here are, my mother, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus redraws the lines of family and boy, all of a sudden it includes you and I. Whoever does God's will is my mother and brother and sister. So, we see Jesus coming and in, in Mark sharing this story. He says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. You see, Jesus, in calling his disciples, and go back to the story that was read earlier, and the call, the invitation, the call to, to preach and the, the assurance that you'll have authority when you preach. It harkens back to another call that was given uh, long before this call. And that was a call that was given to Moses. You, remember, you may remember that story. Moses is out tending the sheep. There's a burning bush. And God encounters Moses in that burning bush. And do you remember what he said? He said, I've heard the cries of my people. God heard the cries of his people. Cries for what? It was cries to be set free. Cries to be set free from oppression. Cries to be set free from slavery. I've heard the cries of my people, and I have come to set them free. Now, can you imagine being Moses? Yes, finally, our people are going to be set free. And how does God uh, bring that about? We we that's a familiar story. You go, you go, I've called you to let my people go, and Moses has an argument with God at that moment in, the, in nah, I can't speak, and he gives all these reasons why I'm not qualified to go. Friends, these twelve people that Jesus called, they were ordinary people, they were fishermen. They, they, were, they were ordinary people like you and me. And just in the way God called Moses to go, he says, you go, Simon, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Jan, Tyler, Dave. He's calling you. And so we have this invitation to participate. To participate in what? In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house house without first tying him up. To participate in the deliverance, in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, through the good news of the gospel, people being set free. You see, what we see in this story, there's an acknowledgement of a reality, that there's a clash, there's a battle that goes on in the heavenlies uh, between, uh, between evil between the enemy, Satan, and, and God. That, that battle is very real. And there, there are forces at work in our world that are very real. And our good news is that Christ has come to tie up that strong man and to bring about deliverance, to bring about healing, restoration, freedom. The scribes, they, they were witnesses. They heard what had been happening when Jesus had been baptized and his mission and ministry had begun. They had been hearing about it. They were there with the crowd. They heard about lepers being healed. They heard about people possessed by evil spirits being set free. They heard about blind people being restored with sight. And they attributed it to him being possessed by, the, by an evil spirit. They, they were missing the, the reality that the Son of God was in their midst and that his... His presence, heaven touching earth had come to, to set people free, to set things right in this world. So, where, where does that leave you and I? Because we weren't one of the twelve disciples. That was a long time ago. Well, I want to say to you that Jesus has, has called us as a church. He's appointed you for some call, for some significant purpose. We're not gathering here just for some feel-good experience. No, we come to worship and encounter the, the risen Savior every Sunday, and there's this reality. He has an appointment for you and for us as a community to participate in this setting people free from the strong man. So, I, we, my wife and I, we recently went and watched the movie Harriet. Uh, how many of you have seen Harriet? It's a movie about Harriet Tubman. Well, I would encourage you to go and watch that movie. Because it's, it's, a, it's a story of Harriet Tubman, who really what we... I, I honestly did not know or remember much about Harriet Tubman's story. And the way this movie portrays it is basically someone who's called by God to set people free. Some of her own people, her black people who have been enslaved, it's in the Underground Railroad era. And first of all, she encounters freedom; she escapes. But then she feels this call to go back and set other people free. And there was a scene in the movie where she starts singing the, the the spiritual, the Negro spiritual, "Go Down Moses." Let my people go. When Israel was in Egypt's land, let my people go. Oppressed so hard they could not stand, let my people go. And that refrain goes over and over throughout the song in these verses. Let my people go. Let us all from bondage flee. Let my people go. Let us all in Christ be free. Let my people go. She didn't sing the whole song. She's, she was singing the chorus, Go down Moses, way down in Egypt's land. Tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. And I, I, I heard this song and I, I thought... And watching her story be be um, displayed on the screen, it was, it was compelling, it was inspiring. And to think about the story of Moses, to think about this story of Jesus appointing 12 people to go and to preach the good news that brings freedom. I thought my wife and I were having a conversation. And, and, and the conversation came down, do you know, where does it begin? Where does this work begin for us? Besides beginning with the call that God gave to Moses and Jesus calling his people, boy, we we came to that thinking about the story of Moses. What what did God say? He said, I have heard the cries of my people. And so we began to say, you know, my my wife said, she said, man, it begins with prayer. Prayer. It begins with us calling out to God, where we see those evil forces at work in our world that divide people, that oppress people, that, that, that bring about things like slavery, which was an institution in our country, where people use scripture to validate it, to, to, uh, to like make it you know, okay. But then we hear a story of like Harriet Tubman. Where there was, there was freedom, there was deliverance, but it began with the cries of my people. And I'll tell you, that really, that really convicted me. It convicted me because I, I began to, to wonder and to think about for myself, how diligent am I to pray? Lord, would you set people free? Would you stir in our hearts and move by your Holy Spirit? Would you give us eyes to see? To see the principalities and powers that are at work, where we are called and appointed to participate In the the tying up of the strong man. And friends, I I would encourage us to realize it begins with us on our knees and crying out to God. To cry out to God, to lament the, the pain we see in the world and the brokenness. That is, that's, that is the fuel for our mission. That's the fuel for us. That's what will move us. That's what will stir our hearts. That's where the authority comes. Jesus said, I'm, I'm giving you authority. We need to ask for that authority. We need to call out to God in prayer. And so, that's, that's been something that's been stirring in my heart. You know, we, we just had, um, I was on a trip called the Journey to Mosaic. It's a learning experience that the covenant does, um, in, in, uh, in the work of making things right between people of different ethnicities, where there's racism, where there's division because of that, where there's oppression because of that, history of oppression, uh, and how we, we continue to struggle with that. And man, it's such a powerful time because we, we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the one who has come to tie up the strong man of racism. And, and what I was in, in that journey, realizing the significance of, of, of listening to, to one another, of learning stories, of, and, and so going to a movie like Harriet to, to hear of a story of a saint who, who was moved by God. But seeing that, being on that journey and, uh, listening to one another, um, it made me realize. You, you hear stories where, there's, where there is brokenness. On that trip, I got a text and um, of of someone in one of our communities where we have, where we have a covenant church, Hooper Bay. Uh, and it was it was a text to say, "Pray, pray for Hooper Bay. They just lost another senior to suicide. A, a senior in high school. It's the third one of their class since August." and the fourth suicide in that community since August. Just a couple of years ago, this community was ravaged by loss from suicide. Friends, I, we, have, we have established a day of prayer annually. It's the day before the World Suicide Awareness Day on September 10th. On September 9th, we as a covenant established a day to pray for the deliverance of suicide and to pray for life. And I get a text on on November 8th or 7th of another loss. And I was just convicted. Lord, set your people free. Move to pray. And so our work, what I want to say, is it begins with prayer. Our work to participate in the work of binding up the strong man where Jesus has come to set people free, setting people free from the bondage of sin, setting people free from despairing to where they, it seems like there's no other solution but to take my life, to set people free from the, the wars that rage in the world, to set people free from, from divisions within family, those, those, those struggles. It begins with prayer. And so I want to call us, I want to I exhort you and encourage you in your own life, to be diligent and fervent, to pray without ceasing. Because we, I'm, I'm reminded in this story, we are reminded in this story, that we do. There is a battle being waged in the heavenlies, and we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against those principalities and powers. And so, I want to encourage us to pray. We've been praying for Hooper Bay, for healing, for peace. Uh, <laughs> It's like, Lord, how long? When I'm, I'm tired of getting these texts. I'm tired like Harriet Tubman was tired. Lord, set your people free. So I, I want to encourage us. I'm, I want to invite you to do something with me. I, as I go along in my walk with Jesus... I am more and more convinced how powerful and significant the, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray is. You know, it gets recited after football games. Like I saw the Baylor Bears, you know, they were, they were uh, huddled up. I'm, I, I bet they're saying the Lord's Prayer, you know. Man, I, it's not just some rote, old prayer that, you know. I had, I had a teacher say, you know, when we, when we say prayers that were written long ago, it's like those prayers are seeds and when we pray them, it's like we're putting water on those seeds. So here's my invitation. And in, in this work, in the mission of Jesus to bind up the strong man, to bring freedom, to break, to break the bondage, to break the chains that the enemy has wrapped around people's lives, um, my invitation to you is this week, every day at 5 p.m., I am going to say the Lord's Prayer. You know, you might be driving home, you might be leaving work, it's, 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 a, it's a short prayer, but I want us to water those seeds. And here's why. In the, the significance of the prayer, in that prayer, we say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in heaven, and in God's will, there's going to be a day when there's no more death, no more crying, no more tears, no more suicide, no more slavery. No. There'll be, we'll be know Him face to face. But while we walk on this earth, we need heaven to keep touching earth over and over. And we need the power of Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in this work of the, that Jesus came to bind up the strong man. And so your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every day this week, until next Sunday, I'm going to pray that at 5 p.m., and I simply want to invite you to join me in praying that. I might even post amen on my Facebook page just to say, yep, I'm praying, you know. But church, it begins with us calling out to God. God told Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. So once again, and over and over, we need to be crying out to God. And praying the Lord's Prayer is one way that we can do that together as a church, as the community of Jesus, as the people who He has appointed to share the good news, to preach with His authority to participate in Him. Binding up the strong man to set people free and to bring life into this world. So I invite you, would you pray with me? Let's pray now and let's pray this week. God, we thank you for uh, your power. We thank you that heaven has come and touched earth in the person of Jesus two millennia ago. Jesus, you walked on this earth, the dusty roads with sandals, and you, you've tasted all that we taste in, in walking on this world. Uh, the joys, the struggles, the sorrows, the pain, the hurt, the, the beauty. You've tasted it all. And you have appointed us. So, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would stir in our hearts to pray without ceasing and to be willing to, to participate, to see you at work in this world, to bring your good news, to bring life and hope and wholeness. So we give you thanks. Stir in our hearts. Come, Lord Jesus. Have your way. Let your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen.